Love it. I'm into it. They're cute. Yeah, all the behind the scenes pictures are just the cats, probably. And we're like, oh wait, who are we recording this day? And you can't even be like, well, what was Earl wearing? Like, it doesn't really help. She looks the same in every picture. Gray. Gray fur. I love it. Okay, she's gray Gray fur. She has not changed in size since we've begun. That's true. She's just, she's stuck at her one year old size. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Bryn. And we're two writers who have a lot of questions. So to answer those questions, each episode we're inviting a fellow writer to talk about their work. Another step. Welcome to Shitty First Drafts. <laughs> That's our music. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <clears throat> Welcome. We're so excited because today we have Katie Condon slash Hermes. Hermes. Hermes, as we say. Hermes. Hermes. Yeah, that's right. Hermes. I know that. I know that. You're good. You're good. Um, I, li- I just like to say Hermes. Hermes. Uh, yeah, like the scarf. <laughs> the rich scarf guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how hey. I think of Richard. <laughs> Who's my husband? Yeah. <laughs> um... Oh, but wait. you go by Katie Condon as a writer, so we'll be talking to Katie Condon today, <laughs> right. the writer. Um, she's got a writer hat on. Yeah. Now she's a writer. Yeah, well, I would argue that always a writer, but... Fine. <laughs> Shut down my joke. <laughs> I identify mainly as a housewife now, actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take off your writer hat. hat. <laughs> Put on your yeah. wife apron. <laughs> oh, That's, yeah. No, anyway, <laughs> yeah, actually, I do have an apron. <laughs> it has cute flowers on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 100% believe that. Yeah. And I bet it looks super cute. Um, okay. Katie Condon is the author of Praying Naked, winner of the 2018 The Journal slash Charles B. Wheeler Poetry Prize, and forthcoming from Mad Creek Books. Her recent poetry appears in or is forthcoming from The New Yorker, Tin House, and Prairie Schooner. Katie is the 2019-2021 Creative Writing Fellow at Emory University. She holds an MFA in Poetry from the University of Houston and a PhD in English from the University of Tennessee. Welcome. Katie! Katie! Thanks for having me. So exciting. Especially as you're about to move to Atlanta away from us. I know. It's true. The worst. It's It's sad. Yeah, this podcast is just us talking to all of our friends before they move away. (laughs) Before they move, yeah. That's right. I feel like that one song should be playing and like we should put it in the background that's like, As As we go on. Oh. (laughs) I also love that song. But that's the graduation song. Yeah, she's graduated from UT and is now moving on to the next stage of her life. Full on. I will remember you. <laughs> both wildly appropriate. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I think we no should joke. do a mashup of both. Of my in my high school like senior last choir show, I sang a verse <laughs> of that song. Not it was not my idea, it was the choir teacher's sure, idea, sure. but mm. I had verse two. Down. Down pat. Yeah, I definitely cried. <laughs> I was really into choir. That's really If you sweet. couldn't tell by my singing. beautiful singing voice. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> How inspired by you we are. Yeah, oh, truly. Stop. <laughs> um, Katie, welcome. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, and really excited to talk about this poem. But before we get there, 
what we want to know, what the people want to know, is how did Katie Condon become a writer? When did that begin? How did it happen? Tell us about your journey from fetus to <laughs> fetus writer to fully formed writer with three literal writing degrees. Uh, well, in utero, in utero, yeah, in utero. <laughs> Uh, my mom felt me kicking her stomach in iambic pentameter. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Very special bond. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, obviously not. <laughs> not. Um, ah, oh, wow. It's a big. It's a big question, but I like it. Um, you don't have to literally start it. <laughs> well, I I grew up in the church as Mm. my book title implies. Mm -hmm. And I always really loved hymns, Mm -hmm. um, sung or not sung. I would sit during the mass and just like read the hymnal. And I think my love of reading poems started there. Mm. And um, I just always really liked writing. My mom forced a journal on me. It wasn't really forced (laughs) because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, But I think like consciously I decided that I wanted to pursue writing seriously um, in undergrad. Um, I was taking a creative writing class. I mean, this is a pretty, like, generic, you know, you could sell it in the grocery store <laughs> yeah. how I became a writer story, yeah. but I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> um, I was taking creative writing class. I was really loving it. And at the end of the semester, um, my professor said, so are you going to apply to MFA programs? And I was like, what's that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know what those are. Mm -hmm. And so this professor introduced me to what felt at the time like this magical oasis land where (laughs) writers lived, especially poets. You know, I, as many people do, just didn't really understand that there was a thriving community of poets mm-hmm. in particular. So I think at that moment when I when I decided to apply to MFA programs um, was when I just like decided to be a writer. When I became one, I don't really know. That's sure. a harder question that's, to that's answer. Really <laughs> but how, so how young were you when your mom, like w- when you remember getting a journal for the first time, like when did that, like pretty early on? Yeah, that's a great question. That my mom would probably know the answer to. <laughs> That's I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure, like, as soon as I started practicing writing. Writing, okay. I remember, so really young. yeah, like, learning cursive in the second grade mm-hmm. and practicing signing my name in my diary. Mm-hmm. Like, taking it very seriously. Like, yeah. dear diary, right. this is my signature. Yeah, like, right. Cursive yeah. is going to be important for my whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And Obviously. my signature will never change. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And those entries often took the shape of, like, imagined stories. You know, I would, like, imagine how I wish my day went. And so <laughs> yeah. it's performing Fan therapy on myself in second life. grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, there, there's the imaginative act of doing that, too. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, super young. I don't know how old you are in second grade. Six? Seven? Eight? Seven. A child. Yeah. We can just, a youth. Under a youth. ten. <laughs> under ten. Firmly under ten. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I always, think, I always think that that's interesting because I'm sure, like, I know that I had a diary and I'm sure that my mom was like, yeah, cool. Or, my, you know, my parents were like, great, she likes the things. Um, but I don't, I don't remember, like, even putting pen to paper until, like, teen, teen, early teen, preteen, maybe, mm-hmm. when I felt, you know, all my feelings. Um, so I don't know I yeah and it's I I think it's interesting because I do think that like sure the part about being in a class where a teacher inspired you 
um, is sort of a story a dime a dozen among writers, but I do think that everyone, I'm really interested just even hearing from our friends the past couple of recordings that we've done and how just like disparate it is. Like Lance was like, oh, I didn't even think seriously about writing until I was like in this online forum. And, you know, so yeah, I do yeah. think it is, I do think it is a more staggered experience mm-hmm. than yeah. we realize in like a culmination of a lot of things. Yeah. I don't think I started journaling till high school, but I definitely had journals growing up, but I don't think I was writing my feelings or stories or anything. I think I was just like writing stuff and then I would get mad or think my handwriting was bad and I would just tear it out and throw it away. <laughs> Like, I yeah. literally had so many journals, like, the first, like, ten pages would just be ripped out because I started <laughs> writing something, and I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's like amazing. Something up. Is it amazing? <laughs> I kind of, I mean, Should no. Should I speak to someone about it? <laughs> no, I mean, the ego of the youth yeah. is amazing. I remember really clearly this journal my mom got me, and we we were living in our house in Delaware and it was well before we moved and that means for everyone who's like why are you talking about Delaware (laughs) I was we moved when I was nine so so I have yeah yeah, so it was really young is the point and I have this clear memory of her getting me this like beautiful probably tacky now yeah flower journal with an actual lock on it yes and I would keep the keys with me in my pocket all day Mm -hmm. but my sister stole them once Mm -hmm. thanks Megan I don't know if you remember this (laughs) and to try to open my journal and I was devastated for the same reasons you probably tore out the 10 pages of every journal like writing even even then like the shitty first draft you're sort of aware of it yeah you're like like, no one can look at this this. (laughs) yeah I had one of those journals like there was a whole movement uh when we were younger where um like Home Alone came out and there was like the the what was it called the talk boy or something yeah the little recording device that he would talk right 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 and I had the talk girl which was like the same thing, but pink. <laughs> sure. And they came out with all these, like, spy things. I don't know if they were directly related to Home Alone, but um, but I had one that was, like, called the Password Journal, where you had to push a button and record your voice, and it would only unlock if it was your voice saying the password, and I was, like, obsessed with it. Dude, I, was, like, I had that, too. I don't even know if I ever wrote in it. I was just, like, I love that only I can open it. Yeah. <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now. I forgot those existed, and I also had one, and fucking loved it. Am I like allowed to swear on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like a real memory a moment. A is in the title. <laughs> oh, right. Oh. <laughs> a cuss. A cuss. <laughs> a single cuss word. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember those journals being a thing, and I remember desperately wanting one, but I never, I mean... We were just poor, and so <laughs> I would always get hand-me-down things or, like, things from the dollar store or whatever, but... Yeah. So then I think when I did get my first, like, really beautiful journal, I, and this is this thing that still, like, happens to me to this day, like, I just kept it and never wrote in it because I was like, this is for my <laughs> most important thoughts, my mm-hmm. most cherished stories, and then I would be, like, too afraid to write in it because yeah. if I wasn't, like, writing with in, like with a, like, quill in my own blood. <laughs> like, it wasn't, like, lofty yeah. enough, you know? So yeah. I just, like, my feelings stacks were... of blank journals. Yeah, I think mine feelings were... Mine feelings? Mine. My feelings were coming from that same place because mm. I would do that exact same thing. And the reason I started journaling a ton in high school was because I started using comp books. Mm, and yeah. I just didn't care. And I would, like, make lists in them, and I would take notes for school, and, like... Yeah. 
whatever. And like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But I just kept everything in those books, and I still have them. And I will like go back and read them sometimes because <laughs> I'm a creep on my own life. I also like ego. Com- <laughs> I like composition books because are they like are they wild, wide ruled or college? I guess you can get either. Yeah. But the ones that I've always written in, it makes me feel like I'm like being really productive and writing a lot because <laughs> yeah. it's like a little bit of wide a narrower. Ruled. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wide rule with like really wide margins also, and mm-hmm. so you're just like flipping pages like totally. ah, <laughs> ah, the great American You've novel written, like t- two hundred words. Publish these when I die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she still uses them. Karina McGlynn, let me know. Uh, but Karina McGlynn, the wonderful poet, author of Hot House from Saraban Books, out now. <laughs> uh, at the time in Houston when we were in school together, used exclusively composition books really? to write in. Yeah, she loved them. Yeah. It's kind of amazing like how we choose our mediums, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like it seems so random. But... Some people are moleskin like <clears throat> aficionados. Yeah. And, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I'm just I've like... had a lot of moleskins, but they I can get precious with them too. Where yeah. I'm like, ooh, I have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a couple moleskins. I once got gifted a moleskin that was um, blank. And I think that's the worst thing that ever. Like, not even didn't have anything on the page. Oh, yeah, oh, I have those. And that is chaos. stressful. <laughs> Utter chaos. Well, I tried to turn it into my poetry journal because I was like, oh, I can, like, write, you know, I can fit poems better in this than having to, like, sit by the lines, you know, mm-hmm. follow the rules. But it's literally just, like, like my poems are, like, wavy because I can't <laughs> write in a straight line. So it's just garbage. But anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a really long conversation. We just we it's very long. Love um, it. Love it. So then you applied for MFA mm-hmm. school. You learned about them and then chose some. Yes, and then applied to them and, and went to one. I went to Houston. Yeah, yeah. So moved like halfway across the country. Yes, it was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was so excited. It was a. It was a program I really wanted to go to. Yeah. Um, I met some of my best friends and writers who I admire there. I met Karina there. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing program. I was waitlisted there, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And I called them once a week <laughs> <laughs> to see where I was on the waitlist. Yeah. I was number six when I called the first time. Yeah. I was number six when I called the second time. Sure. And then... Um, I don't I don't know how many more times I called, but eventually mm-hmm. they called me and were like, you seem really enthusiastic about our program. Would you like to come here? <laughs> Which makes it unclear whether I actually moved up on the wait list or not. And yeah. Or if they were or just, they were like, just like, she's harassing us. Were you actually <laughs> admitted? Calling. <laughs> right. Were you admitted to this school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we may never know. Um, but Houston was great. I um, Yeah, I met some of my best friends there, as I said. Um, I worked pretty closely with Martha Serpis and Kevin Prufer and mm-hmm. Nick Flynn, but especially Tony Hoagland, yeah. who was a great, great teacher. Um, and and yeah, from Houston, I I came here. My MFA thesis was Praying Naked. So it's a book oh, I've right. been working You've on for a for super a really long time. time. Oh. Talk about a shitty first draft. You could have a segment, an offshoot of this, where it's oh, like shitty first book draft. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, because I was going to say, I remember like reading some of the, the Praying Naked stuff in the first workshops we were in together. But it's cha- it changed a lot just from your thesis, yeah. Definitely like, changed a lot. A yeah, lot. I'm nodding vigorously, but <laughs> yeah. you guys can't see that. <laughs> yeah. It's not an audio-visual podcast, <laughs> right. just audio podcast. Um, we also were talking... Um, 
one of Stephanie's friends made the joke like, oh, I want to come on when you just do the shitty, shitty draft. So it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> only shitty drafts. The ones that never made yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I brought one of those today. Yeah, it like true. never became yeah. one. But that's true. So I wanted to just be called cheated. phone notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the things you've. Although, to be fair, a lot of my phone notes have made it into poems. Yeah, me too. So anyway, I guess we're just really talented. Geniuses. I guess we're just great writers. Well, I guess we're at the point now, probably, <laughs> where we should read the shitty first draft. But okay, okay. Again, I'm gonna do the switcheroo on you. So okay. I want to talk about this poem with like a gives a little bit of context about um, how and why and where it was written. Like what what were you maybe thinking about? What were you setting out with a goal? Was this written for a class? Like what what were you doing with this poem? Or the the first draft of the poem? Yeah, for sure. Um, of origin. Yes, of origin. Um, so I wrote this shitty first draft in my first year in Knoxville, mm. which was 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, in the year of 2015. I'm not exactly sure why I said it like that. I don't know, I but it. I loved it. Uh, great. I won't say it again. So we'll just, <laughs> you'll have to keep that one. Um, I wrote the shitty first draft of Origin. Oh, I'm saying it again. I wrote Origin in 2015. Oh my God, I'm cracking under the pressure. <laughs> Okay, so I was I was at a place in in praying naked, yeah, and I'm gonna talk about it a lot yeah. because at a certain point, it's all I was thinking about, right? And I started writing poems for the book, mm-hmm. and as I continued to do that, it became incredibly restricting, yeah, um, and the poems became super bad, very mm. contrived, inauthentic, yeah, um, you because know. you were just trying to slot things in yeah Mm -hmm. exactly right yeah so um I remember feeling really fed up with this uh feeling and saying I am just going to write associatively yeah not try to fit it in with the book yeah just like be driven by whatever I want it to be driven by it ended up being driven by voice Mm -hmm. which is not unusual um but it was really a release. Yeah. Um, Earl is so cute. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was really a release because while I think thematically it fits with the book now, it's the first poem in the collection, at the time I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Right. But I like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is like the best feeling when you're writing. Like yeah, I right. felt like I, for the first time in a while I was discovering something while I was writing. Which is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was very therapeutic at the time especially if you're feeling constricted and mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so that's the that's the context so you weren't necessarily writing it for a class assignment you weren't writing up against a deadline you were just like i need to not write for this fucking book um yeah actually i mean i wrote it i wrote it in the fall of 2000 2015 <laughs> um and I so didn't like fresh off the boat in Knoxville. Fresh off yeah. the boat in Knoxville, um, and I I didn't workshop it until the following spring because I just felt it was so unusual. Yeah. Um, for me at the time that yeah. I was like, I'm not going to bother workshopping it. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then a few months later, I I decided to because I was up against a deadline and hadn't written it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep, so, yep, yep. so yes and no okay. is the answer to that question. In my, uh, yeah. in there. I definitely brought in some, Phone like, it in. <laughs> especially that first semester, I definitely brought in some things that I had written, like, in undergrad, just because I was like, fuck. I, I did that, too. Fuck. Yeah. Everyone does it. Yeah. If you don't admit it, you're lying. <laughs> you're a liar. Yeah. 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 But mostly they were terrible, and mostly I felt embarrassed bringing them to workshop. But and what a way to inspire yourself to write. Truly. To just embarrass yourself in front yeah. of your Yeah. I feel like uh, I don't want to embarrass anymore, so I need to at least write something that I think is <laughs> at least kind of good. Yeah. Dude, for sure. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. And bringing it into that workshop was uh, really useful for me. Um, because I brought in not the shitty first draft. I actually brought in right. the the almost final draft. Yeah. Um, and got great feedback, the rare, the rare great feedback from the workshop. And I was like, oh, this poem that felt so foreign to my aesthetics actually, yeah. you know, like it sucks to admit you need validation and affirmation, um, but, yeah. but totally it like yeah. really but, helped yeah. me identify <laughs> Or, like, see myself in the poem, mm-hmm. whereas before I was like, that was just an exercise or right. something. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so if it was the spring semester, then it was in that class where the teacher's aesthetics were already pretty, like, sound-driven, too, right? If Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, so, Will Wright's workshop. Yeah. So I'm yeah. thinking that that um, probably was a really good choice, like a good match, because mm-hmm. I do think of this as being driven by um, voice, but also by kind of the sounds that the, mm-hmm. like the harshness, the way things grade up against each other, and then the way things meld into each other as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, why don't you read this shitty first draft to us? Can't wait. Okay. Origin. I was born inside a morning dove. There is wind in all of us. Here I am, in a century that has its eyes shut tight. Don't I know exactly why I'm here? In the end, the sun varnishes us all in amber. Undress for that light. There's flight in all of us. Find me in the pasture, sewing bluebonnets into each bend of our laughter. I was born inside the decaying morning dove you found shaded in lavender. Call me maggot. When you die, don't worry. I will rise up from you, opaque as the angel admiring your rotting waist. I too will die, am dying, though I am a maggot, though I covet what privacies call crimson to your cheeks when headlights barrel through the bare window you left open while I thrummed and lingered, seeking fragrance from your breathless flowering. I am born from grieving. I am as afraid as you. Shitty, 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 shitty. <laughs> well, I think we've decided that it's not that shitty. <laughs> I mean, truly. It's, I mean, it, it's, it is true that it's not that different from the final version. But it feels different. But that, like, stands on half. At the end. It's so, it's just a sore thumb. It, it's so it's clear unmoored, that it doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah, yeah. for 8,000 reasons that I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. One. Number one. Number one. <laughs> um, I was in a bad mood when I wrote it. Number two. <laughs> I saw this uh, thing on TV and I had to put it in there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was even doing the, you know, kind of compare contrast that I do with the both. Um, one thing that we should be really explicit about is that the, the um, stanzas have changed because that's something obviously on an audio podcast you can't right. hear. But but beyond the shape of the poem changing, um, I was paying a lot of attention to that, those final stanzas, obviously, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, because they do change. Um, and I think, like, even just reading through, I always read through the shitty first draft first and kind of consider it and then move on. But the even reading through that, that part of the poem is where I'm, like, less clear about what's happening and you're totally. like moving through space like it's it's like I know that this is a specific space but I'm not clear how I'm moving through that space and all this kind of stuff so I was really interested in the way that that and knowing you and knowing how you write I was like I'm pretty sure I know what Katie's saying here but to like but that's only just because I'm familiar with your work I think mm-hmm. so um it was interesting to see I was like um maybe we went to like the same program for two years or something because <laughs> I also I was, would have made that move I, I was gonna say out. like <laughs> Do you remember your original thoughts from no. that year? Zero <laughs> about Zero. this poem. And I have no idea um, at all. I save <laughs> everything. I probably could yeah. have gone through my filing cabinet. That would have been amazing. So Maybe I'll go and look. Yeah, go yeah. and yes, look and, and take a picture and of it. Send it to us, and we'll post. Probably it. me yeah. like drawing a picture of a decaying morning dog. Because what I would always do during workshop <laughs> when I felt weird was just like draw pictures on people's like a, like an image from the poem. And, like, I forgot draw a you did picture. that. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. I love that. So definitely. Dig that up. I, want I to will. I'll I see if so I can find it. <laughs> I was no just way. There, like, There's a bird in this poem. I'm going to draw a bird on it. Anyway. What are we talking about? <laughs> I feel like grad school for everyone is feeling unqualified. Just yeah. Yeah. to lift you up. And then as yeah. soon as you leave, you're like, wow, everyone is weird and has no idea what they're doing yeah it's true it extends into like, the real world too for sure i've seen that one guy do some weird stuff on friday night now he has a novel coming out you know yeah now oh he's my like God. a professional man yeah yeah anyway um so what so talk to me a little bit about your like you're feeling very like this is shitty you know like um talk to me about where that's coming from what causes that reaction if you can point yeah, to it. Yeah, for sure. So it's just that. So if the poem's main tools are are operating on sound, fairly short syntax, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we're pretty placed, you know. Right. We're, we're placed in a field. There's the, the, a certain kind of image system. Like if those are the, the ways that this poem is operating and a clear sort of like a reverent but authoritative voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that section though I covet what privacy is called crimson to your cheeks when headlights barrel through the bare window it's like the syntax is deviating Mm -hmm. it's so long Mm -hmm. it's very distracting Mm -hmm. we're suddenly in a different place we're like a voyeur watching someone in the bedroom in a bedroom Yeah. yeah um and we're thrumming and lingering. Mm-hmm. What what's happening? Mm-hmm. Are we masturbating? Are we like right. no idea? Post-coital. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, are we post yeah. like this is a maggot like suddenly yeah. pulling a William Carlos Williams and like watching the housewife right. do something. Man, I'm not a good poem reader. I'm like, what are you guys? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's that's why it's not. I mean, that you don't know where we are is good. Like I wrote <laughs> it. I know right. where we are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, and, and the voice is really different too. It's suddenly far more removed Mm -hmm. from the action of the poem. Mm -hmm. Um, the music is uninteresting and prosaic. No offense. (laughs) Prose people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, really to myself. Oh, Um, prosaic be as a a derogatory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, 
I don't even really mean that. I've like almost no, yeah. exclusively been reading prose lately. <laughs> like, I hear that. that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the pacing becomes really prosaic. The music does. Yeah. And it just like doesn't fit. Yeah. But it got me to my ending. Right. Which is what you needed for yeah. sure. But yeah, it almost, I mean, maybe, and that's, maybe it's me trying to make sense of it, but it almost feels like that that's the speaker of the poem. If the maggot is the speaker of the poem, it's like the speaker shifts in that stanza, which is what's confusing. It's like you're suddenly coming from a different perspective entirely. Even if that's not like how you wrote it, for me as a reader, to make sense of it, I have to change speaker. Like for sure. In yeah. the final third of the poem, mm-hmm. which has, does that ever happen? I mean, does it ever happen? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say it never happens, but rare. Most of the time, the speaker is consistent throughout. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There must be some examples. I'm sure. I but, think, but either way, it's in this poem yeah. for all the reasons very articulately just listed. Oh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it it wasn't working for the for the poem. And I think part of why that turn happened was because actually, when I was writing this draft, I imagined the eye very much as a person. Mm-hmm. And actually, I still sometimes choose to read it that way. Yeah, absolutely. But it's regardless of how anyone's reading the poem as a persona or as a lyric, um, it's mm-hmm. still the turn is still distracting because it deviates so much from what's been built yeah who like who was built the voice that was Mm -hmm. built it's um just so different it's too different yeah absolutely so we got rid of it so we got rid of it bye bitch (laughs) cut it bye bitch bye um and then um what so what was the revision process well should i save that question for after the second one I'm just curious about how many iterations this went through before it got to this final form. Not many. Okay. Um, so it was a pretty clear to you, like, I need to take this out and I need to do this instead. And again, mm-hmm. I think it was because of why and when and how and the circumstances under which I wrote it. I wrote it. It felt good to write. I was like, you're a weird little poem. Yeah. And I put it away. Yeah. For months. Um and then I took it back out before that workshop and was like, let me not embarrass myself. I'll edit it a little bit. And I edited that part out okay. because it seemed as as anyone's writing does after putting it away for a long time, it like it made reveals it itself. Clearer. Yeah. yeah. Like, what was I talking about? I, I yeah. could have. That's really unusual. So like I could have. I mean, I kind of brought this poem in because I thought it would be interesting I would have been interested in this, like, oh, a New Yorker poem, like, yeah. let me, how, how did that happen? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I would, I would also say that this is pretty unusual for my revision process. I usually spend months actively with a poem, mm-hmm. but for this one, I, I had put it away because it yeah. felt so weird. That, yeah, right. Yeah. That's kind of inspiring. At the New Yorker poem, you know, it didn't, it didn't get like half erased and rewritten and then rewritten again. Like right. it, it kind of just came out of you. <laughs> just like a little poop. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> love the New Yorker. Me too. They I were subscribe so whenever they have a sale. <laughs> and I got my tote. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. We were talking about revision and how yes. it's unusual for yes. me to revise so quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was I going to ask a follow-up question? Were you going to ask a follow-up question? Yeah, I I find I mean that's just very cool. I don't know. It's it's strange how that how that those kinds of things can fall into place that mm-hmm. way. Like yeah. some poems just happen really easily, 
Um, I'm not a great poet, but I do try, and I am not good at revising. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think it came out great the first time, Mm -hmm. and then I'll take it to workshop, and I'll change some things and whatever, but usually I'm just like pretty set on the first draft Yeah, and would send out first drafts for sure, Um, but you know, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah, there was a time in my life during my MFA, man, and sometimes even now still, where, like, my best and most efficient mode of revision was sending out, like, I'll have, I'll have like, just pooped out a poem. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be this like, Tin does. House wants this. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Agni, plowshares, let's do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would Looking submit it. Cool. And then the next day I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I hope no one saw it. I'd like go back and read my submission. And actually, I'd be pumped. I'd be like, I'm going to go look at that again. And yeah. then I would be like, oh, no. Um, but yeah, that's one way to revise, kids. Just It's a waste of $3 every now and yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you reject it and then be like, OK, they didn't like this one. Let me fix some things. Yeah. yeah. But it is true that it's like as soon as you send it into somebody else's hands, you're like, mm, is that the best I could have done? Like, yeah. 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 What if I kind of amazing. the one thing? Yeah. Well, it's weird how quickly you can kind of swap focus or something yeah. like not See, focus, like perspective. perspective. Yeah. yeah. When you submit something, you go back and read your packet, and you're like, okay, now I'm an editor. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's weird. Why didn't I see that before? Because I, I do that all the time. It's like if you, um, like post something online and you tell someone to go read it, mm-hmm. or if you like. You're like, hey, go check out my new website. I just finished it. And then you automatically go to your website mm-hmm. at the same time. And you, like, imagine what that person's thinking as mm-hmm. they're going through it. I, I don't know. I you do that. I do that And you catch it all. Because you're like, well, how is this person seeing mm-hmm. it? And you just take on that persona. Mm-hmm. That yeah. It's kind of hard to do otherwise. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I just did that the other day with my website. I was like, everyone, look at my website. And then I looked at it on my phone. Oh, and the and mobile is so janky. <laughs> like, my mobile website is just looks like garbage oh, fire. No. So, <laughs> so I have to we, fix that. When we plug Katie's website at the end, please like, visit it on Use your desktop. browser. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, because especially if you, like, tweet about it, people are just going to click on that link on their phone. So, right. yeah, you have to optimize for mobile, which so sucks. embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay You're, but it's I don't know I think there's something charming to that like most writers have built their own websites you know what I mean like yeah, writers yeah, kind of yeah. have to wear a billion different hats like you have to be your own like um, agent and your own um, other stuff publicist <laughs> publicist thank you and like and website designer and stylist yeah truly <laughs> exactly which is really easy for people with a lot of fashion like Katie a fashion lot of fun. fashion. So, so, much fashion. so much fashion. <laughs> Style. That's Did what I mean. Did you guys see the SNL skit recently with um, La La Land Lady? What's her name? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee and, I didn't see it, but I want to hear you describe it. Oh, my it. God. Please describe it. It's, it's called um, Fashion Something. Uh, and it's it's the skit is all of these women who like – are afraid of taking risks with fashion basically like uh-huh. like this but this shirt only has buttons halfway down abort abort like <laughs> here at this store we sell pants for the legs you know it's yeah. very funny and anyway at the end th- they just say it's Justin Taylor which is where I only shop <laughs> 
Uh, I felt very seen. That was a very boring story. We don't need to include it on the podcast. Um, my excellent summary of La La Land a, a Lady. La La Land Lady. Um, but anyway. She's shop, really funny. Shop at Ann Taylor. Ann Taylor, sponsor us. Yeah. Is Loft and a sister brand of Ann Taylor? Mm-hmm. They just released a plus line, which I was stoked about. Nice. I need to go look at. They have great coupons. My mom coupons. loves Loft. I'll have to look it up. And a yoga um, company. Anthropology also released a plus line, which is Danger Zone. Fuck yeah. So I was I like, um, one skirt is $245. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, I can't even buy a coffee mug from there without feeling yeah, like I'm spendy. broke. But like literally this mug I'm drinking out of is an anthropology mug. <laughs> it was given to me as a gift. Nice. What a great gift. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Digression. I yeah. think you should chat. Read. The final draft of this poem because we've talked about it a lot. I think you should. Sounds good. Let's do this. Or we could just insert your New Yorker (laughs) recording. (laughs) Good. Um, You could. That might be against the law. Oh, yeah. Let's not. (laughs) Just a little joke. Just a little joke. You should beat that out too. If anyone from the New Yorker (laughs) listens to this, I don't know if they would. They would just be like, what's all of this beeping? Yeah. Why is this being at? What are they saying about yeah. us? That's so funny. I um, keep saying to people like, eh, our podcast isn't that popular. Say whatever mm-hmm. you want. But like, if we ever do get pretty popular and people go back and they listen to the beginning, <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, God. Oh, God. why yeah. are they talking about poop so much? <laughs> Seriously. We're all human beings. Um. I was also going to say, I feel like we're just picking fights with, like, a bunch of literary greats. We're like, Anne Lamott, don't, no one tell Anne Lamott that we started a podcast using her term. No one tell Kevin Young we're talking about him right now. Like, just. Love you, Kevin. Yeah. Keep it on the hush-hush. Yeah. It's all positive things. Only yeah. positive. Only. Mm-hmm. Except when I called out William Carlos Williams <laughs> for being a well, voyeur. but he's dead, so. True. And the estate of William Carlos Williams. If they come for us, I bet I can fight them. We love you come on the show. We'll have so many plums. Like a board of directors. (laughs) Oh, babe. What you doing? Just hanging out on this bag of cat goodies. Is she sitting on your purse? Yeah, it's okay. I'm into it. It's cute. I was going to say, like, I've been trying One to get year a and she still doesn't it. understand the clear chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she thinks she can only sit on it if there's something else. Um, another digression, since we're digressing, uh, and I love it, is when we were, when Richard and I, and again, Richard is my husband for the <laughs> listeners, uh, were going to New York to the New Yorker office to record this poem, he said he would give me $1,000, which is really just our money, so it doesn't <laughs> really <laughs> Make Joint a difference. Checking. If I read the poem in this voice that I do a lot, the Teen Girl Squad the teen voice, girl squ- oh if I God. just walked in and the whole time was like, Hello, <laughs> my name is Katie Condon. It's an honor to meet you. And now I will read my poem, Origin. No, just like, so they thought it was my real voice the whole time. Oh, my God. And I was just like, dude, you're malicious. Yeah. <laughs> my moment. If it, if it so wasn't funny. a joint checking account, would you have been tempted? Yes. <laughs> Man. That's so funny. $1,000 is a lot of money, especially yeah. as a grad student. <laughs> That's true. I was gonna ask you if you had to record it at home and if you had to like set up a whole thing. They fly you there to New York. If you can't go to their office, they won't put the recording up. Wow, because they like edit it themselves and And their equipment high quality. Yeah, Yeah. super nice. I love that. 
I would be. Af- That's cool. <laughs> it was well, amazing. It was really, really fucking cool. I just cool. would be so worried. I think that I would be in there and just be hearing all of my like, you know, yeah, as I'm can, reading a poem. They can edit that out. But, like, if that's just part of, you know, like, if you're just talking with kind of, like, a mouthful of spit, like, mm. you, they can't edit that out. That's just your mouthful of spit. <laughs> well, they would say, do it again. Did you have to do it a bunch of times? Yeah, they, I did it three times. Mm. They said my first one was fine, but I was so nervous. So I was you're like, kind of, I'm just going to do it as many times like, as you let me. like, I don't remember yeah. even saying anything. <laughs> yeah. So. I blacked out. What yeah, I blacked out. What did I do? Was I talking about poop again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. Teen girl yeah. <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool though. Like, you know, of all your three recordings, if they like the first half of the second recording, right. but the second half of the first one, they'll like piece it together. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty it's amazing. Pretty cool. Where I feel like we're like talking to you like you met a celebrity or something. We're like, it feels like. What it. was Jennifer Aniston like? She In was a person. bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I bet you're really nice, Jen. Who's definitely <laughs> listening to this podcast? Jen, thank you for your time listening to our podcast. Um, it's like the one cool thing I've done in my poetry life. So, so we cool can though. talk yeah, about it. Much like nothing it's else cool. you've done has been cool. Yeah, actually, <laughs> <laughs> literally for nothing. One split second, Kitty was like, "Oh no." <laughs> Like, oh, wait, she's like, got you yeah. with another singer. Got <laughs> you with another singer. This is among two of the coolest things that have ever happened to me in my poetry life. My book is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty it. pretty damn exciting. I'm so glad we get to put uh, boobs on our oh uh, oh social media. It's, like, it's so freeing. It's, yeah, the really it's the best. I can't wait to talk about... Uh, thank you. I'm going to like gush about this artist at the end. Absolutely. But now should I read this? Oh, yes. remember? Okay. <laughs> oh, remember? <laughs> what were you here for? Origin! <laughs> it's so good. Origin. I was born inside a morning dove. There is wind in all of us. Here I am, in a century that has its eyes shut tight. Don't I know exactly why I'm here? In the end, the sun varnishes us all in amber. Undress for that light. There is flight in all of us. Find me in the pasture, sewing bluebonnets into each bend of our laughter. I was born inside the decayed morning dove you found shaded in lavender. Call me maggot. When you die, don't worry. I will rise up from you, opaque as the angel admiring your rotted waist. I too will die, am dying. Though I am a maggot, though I covet fragrance from your breathless flowering, I am born from grieving. I am as afraid as you. Yay! Thank you very much! I was going to say, I'm really impressed by how quiet and serious we got so quickly after you did your voice the first time. Wow. You guys are champions. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Consummate teen, professionals. teen girl squad. <laughs> I always I watch the all early those web. All the Dude, time. yeah, obsessed. My friends and I used to always say one part from one of the videos over and over, where the like vulture comes and he's like, quite good, quite good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My sister he's and oh god, easy, yes, delicious. My sister and I call each other bunkmate. 
Do you remember that episode with the raccoon at summer camp? I think I do. She's like, Hi, Bunny. <laughs> Will you give me these 17 shots before I go into your coma? <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. <laughs> People are going to listen to this podcast and be like, this bitch what? is uh, so uh, weird. Guys, look it up. Teen Girl Squad. Yeah. Homestar Runner. A true, yeah. It's good all content. Homestar Runner. Just, I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like that's pretty ubiquitous. Homestar Runner, at least, right? Maybe. Uh, it depends on your generation. It depends on how old you are. Your connection to yeah. the internet. Yeah. You're right. You're as right, a you're youth. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway. Look it up. Buy, it's, still it's buy my book. I'm normal and professional. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> Congrats on this poem. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think the... Um, I'm really good at talking. <laughs> I really like um, the changes. I mean, it feels silly to say, like, I really like this poem that is really good that was in The New Yorker. Because, like, who cares? <laughs> It's 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 already won the trophy. I care if you like it. I care. Um, but I I do like the um, the line breaks. Yeah. So talk to us about that restructuring because it was um, before in quatrains. Yeah, in quatrains. Um, before it was <laughs> in quatrains, and now it's in couplets all the way down because it was like quatrains all the way, and then a couplet to finish, and mm-hmm. then um, now it's quatrains all the way. Or pfft, couplets all the way down except for the final line mm-hmm. so um talk to us about that change yeah i think you know you love a couplet first i of do all. <laughs> i do i love couplets and tercets so much they're all over my book um i think for this poem in particular when i think about tercets and quatrains i think about narrative mm-hmm. I, th- I think about storytelling and that's because the the pace of a quatrain is much slower yeah it lets you get to know the plot or a character you know without breaking and and without as much like moments of surprise and Mm -hmm. pause Mm -hmm. but I think what this poem was asking for was less of that narrative that I ended up cutting out like I'm telling a story about watching someone through a window who's going to die and I'm the maggot that will arise from them. (laughs) And more just like a a more lyric and lyrical, you know, image system. Yeah. That's that a voice sort of operates through and within. And so the space of the couplet um, creates the kind of pacing that I wanted where it's moving more quickly. Um, You're focusing less on information and more on image Mm-hmm. And I also think that couplets just do a beautiful job of isolating images and isolating sound. And um, that's why I made that revision so that moments felt more isolated, tones felt more isolated. Um, so is the couplet a change, um, the couplet change, a change you made before you brought it into workshop the first time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I what, think so. I'm just curious, what is it that, did anything change from workshop to the final draft? Yes. In fact, okay. now I'm doubting everything. <laughs> like no, maybe I mean, it's literally I, like four years ago, so yeah, it's okay. I mean, but. it could be that I go back and I dig up the copy that you annotated I'm like I just lied for an hour and a half <laughs> but but my memory I do think that certain things changed 
Well, I, yeah, I was just curious, I suppose, what the advice from the workshop was and how much you took Me that too. into a call. But it's okay if you I can't remember. Because I, I, I don't think I would remember most of I don't either. really remember. No. I remember I remember Will Wright, who <clears throat> always, like any workshop leader does, always had things to say right. constructively about my poems. Right. Didn't about this one. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um so that's the that and like cool in a good way, good way. like yeah there's something happening something. here that I didn't yeah. see like that feels good um but we can make like a footnote yeah to the episode I'll go back and actually look I didn't think to because I was just so sure that no, I yeah, remembered okay. but okay. memory is a weird thing yeah. um well, the line breaks definitely changed this is something that um I mean, I feel like you've become so familiar with this final draft just because you've been. Because you, like, send it to the New Yorker and, like, you, like, had to go to New York and, like, This also was the poem that I was like, I need five. I'll slap it on at the end. If, and I, they were like, we want that one. I was like, okay. How this is, is that wild. always the case? Yeah. I know, I know. It's wild. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. No, it's okay. I, I was just, like, dicking around. Um, <laughs> as I want to do. So... That's what um, the podcast is all about. So the line breaks definitely changed of the couplets. Yes, so from workshop like, to the New yeah, Yorker. Okay. Yeah, they did. Um, for sure. They also... I also changed rotting to rotted mm. back and forth a million mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that when I brought it to workshop, it was rotting. <laughs> Instead of rotted. Instead of rotted. <laughs> yeah. Major change. Major change. It actually is. For, yeah, for especially for those people who don't like the... Gerund, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think the so, ING. Yeah. People yeah. get all up in arms about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one yeah. one thing that I, I and do you think of this as a love poem? <laughs> My face right now is like oh, shock and disgust. <laughs> um, I've never thought of it. You've that never way. thought of it no. as a love poem. Okay, well, Will you how, talk what to do me you about think? it? Yeah. Well, so partially couplets. Just oh, I'm like mm-hmm, love poem. No, for sure. Um, yeah, historically, yes. Yes. Can you, can I, may mm-hmm. I? Um, I mean, like, obviously not an, not a, a blatant, not a blatant love poem, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, oh, so, okay, this is going, this is a reading that is like the like <laughs> offbeat take when the person like comes to workshop and they're like, I'm going to say that this is about no, this I love instead it. of, but. I love hearing people talk I've, about my poems like this. I love it. No, I really do. Um. Because it is, I mean, like, in some ways it is, like, an origin story, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. born inside a morning dove. But I read it, and maybe it's something about the tone and the way, the movement through. But, like, there's such hopeful language. And there's this sensuality to a lot of it as well. Yeah. Like, um... I think I see like there's wind in all of us and in the end the sun varnishes us all in amber undressed for that light as being like these really um like weirdly comforting like oh sort of like a um what's like more morbid but comforting it's like hey we're all gonna die and decay and but like can't we find beauty in that mm-hmm. and I always think of the the speaker so here's what here's where it turns for me. 
Um, find me in the pasture sewing blue bonnets into each bend of our laughter. I read that hour as you and me, mm-hmm. speaker and the you. Um, and then I will rise up from you, opaque as the angel admiring your ratted waist. Yeah. So thinking about like, like a lover losing the beloved and, and like look or, or looking forward to what happens when my beloved dies and how do mm-hmm. I respond? Um, and like the idea of being born from grieving, I'm afraid is you like, I, my love for you is so intrinsically linked with my grief for your eventual departure. And of course I'm afraid as you are. I like, you're afraid of dying in the same way that I'm afraid of you dying. That's how I read this poem. I love <laughs> Such it. Such a lovely reading. Yeah. Snaps for Ulanic. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I've always, I genuinely, I really thought you were going to be like, duh, it's a love poem. <laughs> like, I really have always read it as a love poem. And and maybe that's like I a totally, it. like, obviously from your, from your face, I can tell that that was not at all your intention. But I always uh, picture, and again, maybe it was me making a lot of assumptions based on your other work, but like, there's this strong speaker and then a strong notion of you. So for me, the you is consistent throughout this. And the us is kind of like, sure, it's like, communal us but I also think of it as being like a two-person us so I think of it as being this really intimate poem that's like navigating um grief and the idea of grief and like what happens I don't know I love that and I think that that reading is quite justified too because there is a turn out of the collective pronoun and into a you 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 Mm -hmm. at the end the last poem the last word of the poem is you I one cool thing about having it published in a place with such a wide reach was seeing how people posted about it Mm -hmm. and like what they were saying Mm because there were certain things where I was like that's awesome I'm really glad that you're reading it that way yeah like I never in fact what were some of the things well I had really never earlier I said you could read it as a persona or not Mm -hmm. I had never occurred to me to read it as a persona poem like a persona as a maggot yeah Yeah. until Mm -hmm. someone wrote me an email and was like I'm gonna teach this persona poem alongside this other persona poem like thanks for this and I was like awesome cool like yeah obviously you can read I mean obviously um it just didn't occur to me um because I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Because you were writing it with a very specific thing in mind. Mm-hmm. Or which was trying to have nothing in mind. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I don't know. I kind of love it. Like Jeremy Jeremy always does this to me where he's like, ah, yes, the mountain is the woman in the poem. And the, you know, we're like, <laughs> ah, yes, this is a poem about consent and like bodily autonomy. And I'm like, of course it is, Jeremy, you genius. <laughs> like, thank you for that. Now I can sound really smart when I tell people what this poem is about instead of it being like, it's about this time I went and got a tattoo and I didn't like it. <laughs> Jeremy Reed of episode one, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. That, the, the, the one and the same. Um, man, I really, I feel so proud of myself. I really thought you were going to be like, yes, of course it's a love poem. Um, I think... Anyway, that's, I've, yeah. No, I love it. And I think it's a totally justified way to read the poem. I I read it, or like, if I were to, and not to put too fine of a point on it, but if I were to think about maybe whatever intuition was driving the poem when I wrote it, I think it's a lot about 
like self-worth and mm. beauty mm-hmm. and like existing in a collective world that's going to shit. Yeah. Um, you know, but it could be, you know, it's, I feel like, and I'm not talking about this poem in particular. Uh, I was about to be like the mark of a good poem. Um, <laughs> But I and and that sounds super pompous, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I think one f- really fun thing about teaching poetry, for mm-hmm. example, is um, doing what Rebecca Gale Howell gave me a name for this last semester, which is reading it with your heart first mm. um, instead of with your brain. brain. Mm-hmm. Because like what you were doing was you were reading it for tone Mm -hmm. and emotion like the emotional center Mm -hmm. and then identifying those emotions within a narrative Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really cool so I I do think that the poems that I'm attracted to anyway and and when I say this I mean reading poems other people's Mm -hmm. poems Mm -hmm. it's ones that have a really clear emotional core Mm -hmm. that then allows people to use the poem in their own lives for whatever they need to use it for, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really exciting that you read it that way and other people read it as a persona poem and other people read it as like purely lyric. I think mm-hmm. that that's really exciting. It's like yeah. a huge compliment. So yeah. thank you for sharing that yeah, reading with of me. Course. That's so funny. I really, yeah, I thought I was, anyway, doing the obvious thing. But I also think that there's, yeah, I mean, I that's I get excited about that too. And one of the things that I... Like, if I were teaching creative writing now, and I really regret that I, like, hadn't made this connection early or when I was actually teaching creative writing, is, the like, especially to people who are kind of, like, afraid of poetry or nervous about poetry or, like, turned off by poetry mm-hmm. even, or, like, don't know what to do with it, and they get all, like, hand-wavy and panicked about mm-hmm. it, um, which was a lot of my class in that introductory mm-hmm. course that I taught, um... Because they don't know what they're supposed... They're like, what am I... I they, they bring out... Suddenly they like want to annotate it because that's what they were taught in high school. Yeah. Because they don't know what else to do. And I think like the poems that I... Well, t- so some of the poems that immediately come to mind are like Ready Made Bouquet by Dean Young, where it like is initially kind of overwhelming and maybe at points nonsensical. Totally. Until you like... <clears throat> kind of just so if you're if you're trying to like discover what it means you know like if you're looking for meaning heavy air quotes it's like incredibly overwhelming it's like many pages and there's so much happening but if you just like read it for like emotional response like if you just read any poem first to feel like how does this poem make you feel Mm -hmm. bored happy sad like what like even if it's like it didn't make me feel anything okay well that's not a poem you connected with fine like that's a totally legitimate thing but like I will post poems especially on Facebook or something and I'll be like this like crushed me (laughs) and that's all I know all I know is the poem like devastated me and I I know nothing about yet what it means because I felt it in my like gut center first totally and I really wish more and I think that's why I love poetry, because it makes me feel things, because <laughs> I, I have a, a heart of stone. Um, <laughs> and and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I wish there were a way to, or I wish I had been better at communicating, like, a, poetry, a poem is not supposed to do anything, like, it doesn't have to do anything beyond make you feel. Like, if a poem makes you feel anything at all, that poem has succeeded. Um, and if you want to go into meeting and you want to talk about, like, 
narrative form or lyricism or the image image system like all those beautiful things and dive into why it made you feel a certain way or um dive into what it could mean or what it means to you and justify it um I think that that's really lovely and I love that poetry like offers that complexity in order Mm -hmm. to do that um but like this poem made me feel sad like I was like thinking about the loss of a loved one and then I was like here are all of the reasons why (laughs) I love it I can back this up yeah yeah that's what an English degree taught me it's like yeah give me things in the text that make you feel that way and I was like ah yes (laughs) the word you (laughs) and blue bonnets and blue bonnets anyway Jonathan Culler um has this book called the theory of the lyric which is amazing um and he and it it's exactly what it sounds like shout out to my sister-in-law for getting it yeah for me for christmas um and in the introduction he talks about how historically lyric poetry in particular but really all poetry was not unlike pop music where Mm. it was just performed and people were like lovely yeah carly ray jepsen (laughs) great i felt i'm gonna dance to this Yeah. yeah but they felt no need to be like yeah, I don't get it. Or right. like, you know, whatever. And how um, a lot of that has to do with the way, like you gestured toward earlier, we teach poetry in high school mm-hmm. as like a puzzle. Yeah. And so the mm-hmm. book is offering new ways to read the lyric and redefining the lyric so that you can, you know, what, you know, air quotes, understand the poem, but also um, just enjoy it right appreciate it without having to solve yeah it's an and it does i'm greatly uh reducing it the book like it makes great fascinating arguments but that's one that i think about a lot yeah um you know because i think people get they get frustrated by a poem because they're like well i don't know what it means Mm -hmm. or i can't figure it out and it's like that's not i don't know that's not that's not necessarily what poetry is supposed to make you do or like that's not I wish that weren't the knee-jerk reaction, I guess, is what I'm saying. Totally, yeah. But also, that's probably why I write really, like, like, Stephanie made the comment after my reading last night. She was like, sometimes I just feel like you're, like, about to break into stand-up. And I was like, <laughs> I love that because I do also, I, like, write with this intent of being very direct and, like, not necessarily trying to, like, trying to write a poem that, like, if you hear it off the page, if you don't have, like, your protractor with you, like, you can understand it. You know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. don't have to, like, count the lines, count the IMs, and, like, understand if it's in tetrameter or pentameter. Sure, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like and, and which is, I, I don't mean to make light of those things, because well, I think and if that they craft. Were, yeah, but you're saying, like, if it wasn't a meter, it just contributes to the effect, and it shouldn't matter right. whether or not you can identify that right. meter. Yeah. Right, right. You can appreciate a poem without understanding all of the complexities mm-hmm. of, like, a, a sonnet. You know, mm-hmm. you can still think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> I feel like I go on a I little rant every episode. <laughs> this is mostly just me. Hey, hey I have opinions about things. I feel, like, yes. to them. I feel like sometimes you go on a rant, but for some reason you always save it until we've already been talking, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because all sometimes. the good things come, like... You know, all of our conversation has culminated to this one point about a thing I have a strong opinion about. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, plus Katie and I could talk about poetry probably until like the nuclear apocalypse comes yeah. through, I which could be tomorrow. Listen attentively. I know. I all that you're such an too. excellent listener. <laughs> Stephanie, you. how do you feel about iambic tetrameter? 
I feel absolutely nothing. Me too. <laughs> and I feel okay about it. Yeah. I feel fine about feeling nothing. I think that's good. Yeah. Agreed. Proud of you. That's the um the takeaway the sound bit that we should take away. I feel fine about feeling nothing. <laughs> Stephanie Phillips, twenty nineteen. <laughs> That's what origin's about. Feeling nothing. I feel nothing. Feeling nothing. And letting that be. Actually, it scares the shit out of me, but that's okay. That's what the that's a that's the thing for therapy. Yikes! (laughs) Whoops. I was talking mostly. I was like, note to self. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, because boy, howdy. Anyway. Uh, cool. Well, well, this was awesome. Yeah, thanks thank for you so having much me. for being here. Um, now is the point where we ask you if you have anything you'd like to plug. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I have a book coming out in March 2020 Ooh, called Hell Yeah! Praying Naked. Maybe you've heard about it this episode 18 times. <laughs> Yay! Um, I'm really excited about it. I just got the cover art um, the other day. I love it. It's well, gorgeous. First I ch- of all. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I I actually chose the cover art. So I uh, found, with help actually from James Shepard, our friend, he oh, yeah. he gave me this artist's name, Doriel Kaimi. She's amazing. What a good pal. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, James. You're Shout a buddy. Out James. Shout out to James. Um, and her paintings are just amazing. They're yeah. figurative. They're all of women. Mm-hmm. Um, who are unconventionally beautiful in that they have like accurate bodies. Right. Like the woman on my cover has like a belly pooch. Mm-hmm. Like love and, like it. a side roll. Yeah. yeah. And of sunburn. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. Um, <laughs> the woman in the painting and, and Doriel yeah. Kaimi. Um, I, I encourage everyone to go check out her paintings. Maybe we could put her website in the show notes. Definitely, 100%. She's just fabulous um, and, and was a joy to work with. So her painting, Until Proven Innocent, is the cover of Praying Naked. Um, Which is so cool. It's so cool. Do you know yeah. what, me- just out of curiosity, yeah. was it an oil work, or do you know the medium? I think it was oil. Okay. I could. I read that thing, you the post she linked to, but I don't think she mentioned, she just mentioned that it was sold, but it was really pretty. Anyway. Yeah, if you all, like. All this info will be in the description. Yeah, yeah totally. We'll her website or Instagram. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'll go look at. Totally. So that's exciting. It's bright pink. Obsessed I love with it. it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's um, ugh, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited. So it's out next March, and um, it'll be at AWP. Cool. And if Yay. you want, I'll sign it for you and talk <gasps> wow. to you in my weird voice that I suddenly feel <laughs> so embarrassed for using so many times on this <laughs> podcast. That's all I want. I, yeah, wait, San Antonio, 2020. Let's do Hell it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and where can people find you? Totally. So my website use your browser, is <laughs> katiecondonpoetry.com. You can find me on Instagram at the real Katie Condon, mm-hmm. as opposed to all those fakers. And all those all fakers. Those. And uh, Twitter, it's Katie, the number two Condon. Don't find me on Facebook. I'm never on there anymore. Uh, yeah. I miss so many events. <laughs> it's ter- Sam's book release. I went on this morning and I was like, actually, I saw your Instagram story. Um, I was like, Fuck. oh no, yeah. I'm never on. Anyway, so don't find me on Facebook, but you can find me on all of those other places. Website, and Twitter, Instagram. Website, Twitter, Instagram. And cool. yeah, I hope that you're interested in my book. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, um, we'll link interested. to this poem, this very, poem, this very um, poem on the New Yorker website if it's up. 
It still. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all can, you can look, at, you can have a visual aid yeah. while you listen. Yeah. And if, if we remember to we'll, or can figure out how, we might link my comments. Yes. On this I'm going to go home <laughs> and look draft. for them. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that'll be goofy. It probably was nothing profound. I was just like, yay, Katie, I love you. <laughs> Here's a <dose. laughs> Here's a blue bonnet. Yeah, well, I'm fascinated yeah, to see. I drew, I drew, yeah. I drew you so many flowers because you brought in so many poems, like with larkspurs and things. But I yeah. had no idea what a larkspur looked like, so I just like drew like a long, tall flower and was like, "This is it." I love <laughs> anyway. it. There are flowers all over my collection, <clears throat> yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, um, if you want to email us about how you read this poem, you can do that at sfdpodcast@gmail.com. Yes, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram for funny jokes and behind the scenes content at SFD podcast, both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Exclusive content. Do it. It's good. Da-na-na. For free. <laughs> I didn't know. What For free. <laughs> Behind no paywall. Um, it's not porn. <laughs> yet. It's not. I promise. It's not. Kitty's fully dressed. Despite what she said earlier. <laughs> Um, well, thanks so much again, Katie, for being on this show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs> we did it. Is the porn thing going to be hard to edit out? Sorry. Yeah. That was my <laughs> shitty first draft of a joke. About- <laughs> I mean, it was a collaborative. That was a shitty first draft, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it a shitty draft of a joke if it made Katie laugh so much? I don't think so. It made me laugh so much. It's just not for the public people. It's yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. We'll just save it in a file to Frankly, our, for ourselves. It was like, inappropriate. Tee-hee. Tee-hee. This is a funny joke yeah. for me. Though I never see the light of day. We should definitely leave all this part in where we're <laughs> talking no, about make everyone think like, that we was the yeah, joke. Make it Katie's like poop it was joke real. wasn't that funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. We should just do like a like a. Full thirty second long beep, beep. like we're just <laughs> <laughs> like we're just censoring. It. Oh, it'd be so funny.